4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God, you are the source of all light in this dark world. And we ask now by your word that you would give light to our souls. Pour out on us the spirit of wisdom and understanding that our hearts and our minds may be open to know your truth and your way. Amen. Yesterday, I made a solid commitment to watch some serious football. And so I did my normal uh, sun, Saturday morning preparations, coming here, working on my message, did some projects around home, but made sure that I got it done by noon so I could be there for kickoff. And I sat down at noon and started watching football games, and um, embarrassingly, but not regrettably, I continued to stay reclined in my chair with a cat on my chest for the bulk of the day as I just watched one football game uh, after another, and then a few shows as I waited for the seven o'clock game, and I need a little break from all the football. Uh, but I spent a lot, a lot of time there, probably more than I should have, but I was nursing my back so it would get better. <laughs> and as I sat there and watched uh, what was going on, I thought to myself, if this is somebody's rhythm, every day, they're going to end up in a bad way. Because all between the games and between everything that was going on, there was all this other information coming at me, which all seemed to be aimed at scaring me. I was watching, and of course, you know, you get every political ad that comes at you, right? Every political ad, and if you don't vote for this candidate, it's going to be Armageddon. The end of the world is going to happen. Culture is going to crumble. Uh, then we would, we would get um, the pharmaceutical ads, right? One after another, and pretty soon I'm like, oh my word, do I have pneumococcal pneumonia? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just listening. And then there's the preview for the TV shows, which are about fires happening here, and earthquakes, and murders, and robberies, and they say, you know, watch. And I'm like, no, that's, that's scaring me. And then there's the news that butts in that tells you about all the, the worst things that are happening in Grand Rapids, but just enough snippets to make you worry, and they're not going to tell you till 11 o'clock what is really happening. So now your blood pressure is, is going up. And then there's the financial news, right? It's inflation, your dollar is less, you got to invest in gold, or you're going to be, you know, you're going to be living on poverty the rest of your life. And then on top of that, I have to consider, have I spent any time at Camp Lejeune? Do it anyway? Do I have metrophilioma? I don't know. And I say those things not to make light of them, because there is, there is an element of truth in, in probably all of those things that we need to be concerned about. 
But when I think about those things, and then I think about the other things that are, that are coming our way that are legitimate, right? We, we think about our health concerns, and, and we think about maybe some financial situations we're in, or relationships that are, are broken, and pretty soon all this stuff just starts coming at us, and pretty soon we find out that, wow, we may be carrying around a lot of fear and being weighed down by a lot of fear. Would that be you today? As you come here today, are you weighed down by fear? If I had to say to you, what is your greatest worry, your greatest fear this morning, what would you say that it is? We're weighed down by fear. Fear is the element that Paul is addressing in our Bible reading today, because as he writes to the Philippians, the Philippians are people who have a reason to fear, because their culture, they're being persecuted. Why? Because they're believing in Jesus Christ. And so the outside world is coming at them and persecuting them. And as they're being persecuted, that means also then that they're being driven into poverty. They're being driven into poverty. In addition to that persecution and poverty, we find that they're, they're arguing in between themselves. There's conflict within the church, and they're also getting false teachers coming in to their church. And so what we find out is that this church is just simply a really hot mess. And so Paul says, I see your fears in what he says to them in chapter 1, verse 28. Paul says to them in 1, 28, he says, I want you to strive together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way. Paul says, let's talk about that fear. I don't want you to be people of fear. And he comes back to them in our verses that we read today, and he revisits this topic and this theme as he says to them, and he gives a bold admonition. He gives it to, to the Philippians who were dealing with fear in their day, as well as those of us who are dealing with fear in our day. He gives this admonition to them. He says, do not be anxious about anything. The message puts it this way. It says, do not fret. Do not worry. Quite clearly, Paul is saying, here is something I, I want you to not do. Here's something to avoid. I don't want you to live in fear. And I want you to notice the extent of the situation that uh, this prohibition covers. Because maybe we're saying, well, there are some things that I can, that I can hold on to that, I, that have to be in my worry bucket. What is it that I can be afraid of? What are the things that I, I can hold on to and maybe just be a little concerned or worry or fret about? And what is the extent that Paul says? He says, do not be anxious about anything. Anything. In the original Greek, that word is medice. Medice, and in the original construction of the Greek, it is at the front end of the sentence. It's put there for a purpose and that is to provide emphasis. So that sentence starts out with, nothing shall you fear. Nothing shall you fear to provide emphasis. And that's what Paul is writing, that you would have nothing to fear about. Are you in that place this morning where you have simply nothing to fear about, that you've taken everything and you say, I, I'm not, I, I have no fear. 
I have no worries. I'm not fretting about it. Because that's what Paul is, is pushing us towards. And then notice following this command, this prohibition where he says, do not be anxious about anything, he gives us a command. It starts here, it starts with, well, one of our favorite words around here, it starts with but. but. Right? Because we are but people. We live differently. We live differently than the rest of the world because we are found to be in Christ Jesus. And as Paul also says in verse 127, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. That's why we get the but there. Because we are not pagans, we are not Gentiles, we are not agnostics, we are not non-believers. We are people who believe in Jesus Christ. And Paul says, you live your life in a way that is worthy of the gospel. So now do not fret, do not fear, do not worry. But instead, as people who are in Jesus Christ, living in the gospel, this is what I want you to do. He says, in every, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In any situation that we go through in life, Paul says we bring it to God in prayer. And again, notice the parameters that are put around this. What things do we bring to God in prayer? Every situation. Every situation, Paul says. Paul learned that the way to fear nothing is to pray about everything. The way to fear nothing is to pray about everything. And notice that Paul gave us four words for prayer here. He talks about prayer and petitions and thanksgiving and requests. And I don't think we want to parse those out and make those, these are the magic words that we need formula to be included in all our prayers. We need to do these four things. But I think rather it's the totality of prayer, what prayer is alike. Paul is saying, in all of this way that we can pray, we want, I want you to do that. And I want you to have a rich, bold prayer life. I don't want you to worry. I want you to bring everything to God in prayer. And so today, do you have much more of a, a worry life or much more of a prayer life? That's a pretty simple question to wrestle with. Much more of a worry life or much more of a, a prayer life? And, and please don't take this as, I, as I'm talking about this and then Paul is giving this command that, that God is just waiting for you that anytime you have fear, God wants to stomp on you and God wants to, like you're, you're outside of his will and he's like, no, you're fearing, that's not of me. It's not that, that's not what's coming down here. But rather I want you to think of this as, a, as an invitation do not worry about things, but in everything, prayer. God is saying what Jesus said in his words. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what God is saying. He's saying, don't worry, don't fret, but come to me. I'm the antidote to worry. I'm the antidote to fear. Come to me because the way of escape we have is that we are in Jesus Christ that's what it says at the end we're in Jesus Christ and Jesus conquered sin Jesus conquered death Jesus conquered all fear anything that we can worry about Jesus took to the cross and won the victory and God is saying come to me here I am I'm the one who can deal with what you are going through 
right now. And that's why prayer is the antidote to fear, because it takes what we are carrying on our backs, which is getting very, what we are, not good for a person with back surgery, what we are carrying on our backs, and it puts it into the hands of God. It takes the fear off from us and gives it to God, and he is the one who can handle it. Look at Matthew 6, 25. Matthew 6, 25. And I'll read going forward. These are words of Jesus. Jesus says these words. I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is, it not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after those things. But you, your heavenly Father, knows that you need them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is Jesus coming and teaching and saying, Let's not live with worry. Let's not live with fear. Let's not fret over things. You don't need to because you have a heavenly father. You can bring them to your heavenly father. And that's what Jesus is offering us. He says, you're different than the pagans who are scurrying about. You're different than the unbelievers who are just uh, wondering about their future and trying to scramble and living in this state. You're different than them because you have a heavenly father. And your heavenly father knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what you need. He gave you life. He breathed it into you. You are precious to him. And Jesus says in Matthew 7, if you look at verse 11, he says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? We have a good father. A good father, that's how the Bible describes it, and it says that God will bring good gifts to his children. And what does Romans 8, 28 says? It says, God, in, in all things, God works for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say all things will be good to us as we understand it, right? Because we get a lot of things that happen here in this world that we begin to worry about, that we don't understand. We're like, oh, this is awful. This is not good. I don't understand. God must not love me because, oh, this is happening to me. Isn't it awesome that we have a God whose ways are higher than our ways, whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts, who holds everything in his hands in ways that we can't understand or see, that he is transcendent and we are not, and that God promises that in all things I'm going to work for your good? I don't get it because sometimes I have to sit with you and say, I don't get this pain, I don't get this hurt, I don't get this situation, 
But the one thing I do know, God is good. And God will work for your good because that's exactly who he is and exactly what he promises. And so I turn towards him because he not only do I am confident that he's going to do good in my life, but he has all the power and authority to accomplish it, does he not? And if we have any question on that, all we have to do is look at the cross where God conquered sin and death and Jesus rose from the dead. So the greatest worry we could have is that I'm going to die. I don't have to worry about that because I'm going to be raised from the dead and sit eternally with God. Because God is good. And we turn towards him because he's good. And because he has the power and, and authority. And here, here is, it, it just takes it off our shoulders, as I said. And it moves it on to God. Peter says this. Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's why I bring it to God. Because I know that he cares for me. The psalmist echoes these words in Psalm 55, 22. says, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will allow the righteous to be, he will not, never allow the righteous to be shaken. Again, we get two more commands here. It's cast all your worries, all your burdens on the Lord. This comes out of the, the fishing imagery of the day in the New Testament. They fished with nets, right? They fished with nets where they would throw the nets out into the water. They would cast the nets out and then they would gather in the fish. And the word that we are getting here is like this word for cast. So if you think of, of all your fears, all your worries, all those things that you're fretting about, everything that concerns you and is causing that pit in your stomach and that anxiety, the scriptures tell us to put all of those here and to do what with them? Cast them, Cast them to God. Isn't that a good feeling? cast them to God I cast them they're they're not on me anymore they're on they're in the very hand of God who I know is a good God and who will work all things for my good and has the power to do it and so I cast it onto him and then what we do and I think this is so critical we again listen to the Psalms that says be still and know that I am God I cast them off. I gave God my prayers. I gave him my requests. I gave him my concerns. I threw them all onto God. And now I'm going to be still and know that he is God. I'm going to let God speak to me. To see how this life, this relationship with God is not just about us telling God how we need everything to turn out. We're saying, no, I'm going to cast these onto you, God, and I want you to work them out in the way that's best for my good. That's a different kind of prayer, isn't it? Then bringing them to God and saying, here's exactly how it needs to turn out for me to know that you are good and it will be good in my life. We don't do that. We cast them, and then we sit and we're silent before God. And we let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Because in that moment, as I cast those out there, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to me about who God is and how he works and what his ways are. And friends, all of that is built up prior to my casting that net. Look at another passage where Jesus was just talking about this in Matthew 7. Some good teaching here, 724. 
Jesus gives this story. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise men who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. I cast this off, and I step back and I'm still to know that he is God. Because in those moments where I'm still, I have built a life on the rock. I have been reading God's word. This is why we tell you to read God's word. Because in here, God reveals himself and who he is and how he works. We get countless stories of how God has worked in people's lives in the past. And by faith, I claim these for myself, and I know this to be true of God. And so if I wonder, if I question, if I concern, if I start to fret, I, I, I sit here and, I, and I'm listening to God, and the Holy Spirit tells me, you know what? God is good. God is faithful. God loves you. God is true. God healed the blind person. He can do it for you. God cares about every need you have. And the truths of Scripture come into my mind and anchor me. They anchor me into to, to not being one who has to worry because I threw it into God's hands and His Holy Spirit reminds me of who He is because I have built my life on that rock. If I haven't built my life on that rock and I throw the net in and then I sit back and listen, what do I hear? Crickets. I hear the world. I hear my own inner thoughts. I hear my nervousness and my frets and my worries start to build up again. And I am like a person when the rain came down, I fell flat. We need to build our lives on the rock so that we can cast all our cares upon God. And then we will know how God is going to work in our life and who he is. And the scriptures tell us that we are transformed through the renewing of our mind. My mind says all these things God doesn't care about. All these things are going to consume me. All these things. And the devil just wants to put those into our head one after another. But I throw them onto God. I step back and I listen to the Holy Spirit tell me who I am, who God is, how he works. And I know they're all lies. I know the truth. Because I built it, and I let that transformation happen in my mind, and I am changed. And as I do that, the Apostle Paul, do you think he got these words from Jesus Christ? I think it was built into the life of his disciples, and Paul is telling us here in Philippians exactly what the disciples lived as they had listened to Jesus give that teaching. And Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and, it's not just a connecting word, it's a promise, buckle up, the good stuff is coming, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Amen. That's a promise. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. In the Hebra Hebraist, can't say the word, Hebraistic, I want to say Hebraistic, but that's not, gonna, that's not right. In Hebrew thinking, 
This word is shalom. Shalom. Shalom is the word you hear, and when you're in Israel today, people will say shalom. You're greeted with shalom, because that is the greeting of God's people, because that's what God brings to us. And it's not just the peace, the absence of conflict, but it's all that is good, all that is right, all that is perfect. Shalom. This is the peace of God. I cast those things onto God. I sit back. I hear who God is, and my mind is transformed off from the things of this world because I set my mind on things above, and I know who God is and the way that he works. And the peace of God, shalom, will come into my life. And this shalom, he says, it has, it's a quality to it, right? And the peace of God, because it's of God, right? So it's coming, it's of God, it's not of the world, it's of God, shalom, coming and, and taking over me. And it says this peace transcends all understanding. The uh, verb here means to go beyond. It means to rise above every, every mind. It's what, something that we cannot comprehend. And I see this happen in the life of faithful Christians all the time. That you bring these requests to God, you throw them out and you're filled with peace and it blows the mind of the world. They don't understand it. How is it possible that you got a diagnosis of cancer and yet you're filled with peace. Transcends all understanding, doesn't it? I remember the, the, you know, a couple rough periods in my life. I remember when I got disengaged when I was, I think that's the word, disengaged when I was in uh, my college years. But I was able to go through that because I knew the one who held my life in his hands and I knew that God was good and he was going to bring good things into my life. I had peace about that. I think the times where I was able to lose, where I had to move on from a job and it didn't make any sense. It looked like we were going to be in financial jeopardy for a while, but we had peace about it. And people are like, how can you have peace about it? You don't know where your next check is coming from. Oh yeah, I do. It's coming from God. He'll take care of me. The world doesn't understand it, but we do, right? Because we are butt people, because we live differently. Because we live in a way that we make the gospel worthy of our actions because we live in Jesus Christ. And the world will never understand that. That I cast it to God. I know who he is. Transform in my mind. And he says, he will bring me this peace which transcends all understanding. And it will, notice, the peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus. This is a military term. Uh, Philippi at this time was uh, an army garrison, so this would have been a metaphor that the people would have understood as they had soldiers all around. And so what Paul is saying here is what happens is that when you have your worries and your concerns and your frets and you cast them off to God, you, you bring them all to him, you sit back and you be still and know that he is God and understand who he is, who you are, how he works, what he wants for you, you're renewed by the renewing of your mind, that peace, that shalom settles in over you, and what it does is it comes in like, like military guys standing on the, on the edge of the city to guard your heart, right? Because often our peace comes, oh, I'm anxious down here. It's going to guard your heart, your emotions, and your mind, and your thinking, and the guards are going to come in and go, stop right here, anyone. No worry, no frets. No anxiety. 
You're not allowed here because this person is standing in the gospel and they know who God is. And it will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. So, do you need this garrison to come and protect your, your heart and your mind this morning? Do you find that you have a, a backpack of maybe fears that you're carrying on your back today that's weighing you down, that's causing you to fret, that's causing you to worry? In the next few moments, I want to just allow us to put this passage into practice. It says, pray to God. And so this is going to be a house of prayer. As I encourage all of you to take whatever fear you have now or about the future, whatever anxiety you're working through, whatever you're fretting and worrying about, and take it off your back and lay it before God. Cast it to him this morning. Let's go to God with our worries and our fears this morning.
And all God's people said, amen. 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 We have a God who is here. He hears our prayers. It's a God that we can turn to and that we can lean into. And as we end our service, let's stand together and let's just declare our, where our hope and where our trust is found that isn't a God who uh, reigns, that is a God who is sovereign over all things. And that is who we rely on and who we turn to. He is our rock. Let's join together and declare that.